With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, Two Planker Podcast. We're back in the RV with Annabelle Santire. 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 <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> she is, well, tell people about who you are. Where are you from? Who are you? So my name is Annabelle Santerre. I am from Quebec City in Canada. So it's a little city near Montreal and it speaks fully French. So it was hard for me to learn English. But I'm here now speaking good English, Oregon way. Yes. I learned from all the ski bombs how to say the nice things. So now I have no cap and no kizzy. <laughs> <laughs> She's been listening to Twan yeah. too much. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Can you... Um, Give us a little French thing. Can you say like a sentence in French just so we can get it out of the way? Bien sûr. Alors, euh, ben oui, moi c'est Annabelle Santerre, je viens de Québec, puis euh, c'est un plaisir d'être avec toi aujourd'hui, Ethan. Toujours un plaisir. Dude, I love that. Smooth. <laughs> Dude, let's just, we're going to mix it up a little bit. Uh, just since we're talking about French, was it, are there like different trick names in French? Yes, like Francois, I would... We would say switch up, and nobody would understand me when I said switch up. People okay. were like... But you'd say, like, you'd say switch up. You wouldn't say anything different in French. Well, no, we would say, yeah, English words, but that are different from you guys. Whoa. So that's interesting, because we would still use English. Yeah. Do you have any other examples? So switch up? Switch up. Uh, none that comes to my mind real fast, but yeah. definitely there's a bunch of them. Yeah. Oh, geez, we got another guest coming in. <laughs> Big Barks just get over it. He's such a behemoth. He's got to so come in. So we've got Uncle Barkley now sitting on the couch with us. Yeah. And um, Antoine and Ryan still. Everyone's in the cut. Um, that's funny. I don't think that's that unique. I, I, I call those switch up. You call those switch ups? I think so. Yeah. We'd call that. We call it that in Connecticut. You, yeah. You're from Connecticut. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty close. Yeah. We're neighbors. Uh, yeah. We're basically neighbors. <laughs> so you grew up in Quebec City. Yeah, it was Did, a good time. Yeah, safe city. Could walk along as a woman anytime at night. Could lay down in the street anytime. It's very good. It's very good. And you like grew up in the city or like in the suburb? In the city, full Whoa. center of the city. And the ski hill would be 15 minutes away. So that's good. Wow, dude. Yeah. Um, do you have siblings or anything? I have a brother. Um, his name's Christophe. Yeah. Yeah. And um, were your parents skiers? No, not at all. I mean, they do it for fun a few times a year, but it was actually, uh, there's this funny story of how I started skiing. Yeah, go ahead, tell that. So I was a snowboarder, and then my friend went on a date with this guy, and she was nervous in high school. We were maybe like 14, and she was like, oh, do you want to come with me to the date? I said, okay, I'll just come by. And we were we went to Stoneham, which is a local hill in Quebec, and I just... We, we all went skiing with that one guy, and I enjoyed it so much. And I ended up being best friend with the guy a few years later, and that's how I started skiing. And they're not together at all, but yeah. but I hung out with the guy almost, I don't know, three times a week since that date, and we just became best friends and rode, and that's how I learned to do switch-ups. Wow. <laughs> did you grow up park skiing, or did you get into it some other way? No, I grew up fully park skiing. I didn't know anything about backcountry. I would never hit tree lines. I would just do the park. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> so what else did you do growing up? Because uh, we'll get to it, but there's a lot of like different sides of you, like a little wilderness exploration side of you. Yes. So uh, what else did you do when you were growing up in the city? Uh, we just... There wasn't much to do. I'm sure if you're out of town, there's much to do. But for us, it was just go to school, get drunk Friday, Saturday, and then recover on the Sunday. And we would, I don't know, play like play basketball in high school, did cheerleading too. But yeah, when I got into skiing, I just went every day. Yeah. I would ask my parents to drive me after school and just always go to Stoneham or Le Relais, which is the other hill. What sport would you guys be cheerleaders for? Because when I think of cheerleading, I think of good old American football. 
<laughs> Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. No, we would not cheer for the football team. It's yeah. not like a, I don't know. It's quite separate. So we would just we would just dance around. So it's more like a dance team. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Would you go? But would you go to like other sports and like cheer for them, or is it no? Not at all. Okay, we would yeah. just go with friends to watch footballs, but it would just be for fun. No, they wouldn't. It would have been so much fun to go in like the yellow bus and then cheer for the football team, but we did not do that, unfortunately. Yellow bus. Would you just walk to school every day? <laughs> I was 15 minutes walking from school, but I would get a I would get a car ride. You get car I was rides? a bit of a lazy high schooler. <laughs> With a lot of like like I would have a nose ring in high school, but it was extremely prohibited in my high school, so I would have to put a band-aid every day, but I would still put a band-aid every day. So you just put a band-aid over your nose every single day? Yes. <laughs> Why not just take it out at that point, dude? You got to ask about her kids. I don't know. I wanted to be okay. I wanted to exp- explore where, like what I could, I don't know, creativity, I guess. Yeah, Ryan, repeat that question. What kits did you wear when you were growing up in high school? <laughs> what was your shoes, shirt, all that Ooh, stuff? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. so, kits in high school. Yeah. yeah. High school kit chat. Yeah. High school <laughs> kit chat. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we didn't have any choice. So we would have, like, head to toe until the shoes stuff to wear. But when I was outside of school, I would wear those bright, those bright white DCs with the DC logo, and I loved those so much. It was trendy at that time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would still wear those. I think I, I, I can yeah. make it work. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. So when you were thinking about going to college, which I'm not even sure, this is trying to navigate talking to a foreigner. When you were so, <laughs> when you're in your senior year, when you're thinking about going to college, which I'm not sure you guys use either of those terms, mm-hmm. where were you looking at going? I was looking to go to California. But then I saw the price tag. I was like, that's make no sense because it's almost like a thousand a semester in Quebec. And then it was 30 a year for California. So then I looked up in Alaska and it was even more. I was like, okay, I'll just stay in town. (laughs) Yeah. Wait, only a thousand a semester? Yes. Yes. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's incredible. A lot of people have bachelors in, in Quebec. For sure. So did you know what you wanted to study or you just knew you wanted to go to you just wanted to go to more school? Well, it wasn't an option for me to not do school, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I went into business and I got extremely depressed because it, it wasn't me. I just didn't know what to do, but I knew I had to continue because it was cheap. So after a year, I changed for a Spanish and German study, which is like a candy bachelor. So it's like you just go in school and learn about a whole thing about the world, but it doesn't lead to anything. Yeah. But at least you have the paper. Yeah, yeah we call that like a general studies or like a liberal arts degree. <laughs> you're just kind of studying. Yeah, you're just out there learning. <laughs> you're just learning <laughs> stuff, dude. Nothing, nothing, no job training. No. Nothing really practical. Yeah, I got out of there and I was like, no, what? Like, yeah. do I do a master? But I still don't know what I want to do. Yeah. So if I do a master, then what do I do? I don't know. Yeah. But do you speak fluent Spanish and German? I kind of forget about it. But I think if I would immerse myself, I could be able to, for sure. Yeah. Costa Rica. They speak Spanish there. Oh, we need it. I only know Mota. <laughs> 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 then, then we have to go. Yeah. I know a little bit of Spanish. Hell yeah, Barkley. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the other day I was looking at your phone, t- helping you type a caption, mm-hmm. and uh, you had Russian as one of the things and it was kind of like that moment where james bond realizes that the girl he's chatting with is a russian spy do you speak (laughs) russian uh i speak the basics but yeah yeah, i think it's a it's a very cool language very hard to learn so that's why i was looking forward i was just looking to push myself on that level and learn about something else but yeah yeah, german turned out to be way more fun yeah so i'm happy i did that Dude, that is so incredible that you're t- giving a, you're doing a podcast in English right now when French is your first <laughs> I, language. Seriously, that is I so know. incredible. I learned four years ago, and I didn't know anything about English because I did the Spark Notes my whole high school, so it was just so easy to get by. <laughs> and then I went on an Alaska trip to become a mountain guide, and I just pull up there and not speaking English, not understanding what anybody says, and they're teaching me how to rescue people from crevasses and how to hike peaks. And I have no idea what they're saying. And I'm just out there nodding. And <laughs> rescuing people. And I'm like, yeah, I got you, bro. Wow. <laughs> so I know what to say. <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about that. So you finished school after just, 
kind of hanging out for for however long you were in school for. And so what was your plan? No plan. No plan. When I was sitting down in school, it was just so depressing for me. So I decided to do it all online and I moved to the West Coast. So I did Whistler and Revelstoke for a while, all doing online school. And that helped me get through the bachelor so much. Yeah. Right. So what would you do? Excuse me. What would you do while you were out there? I did a lot of skiing. I went to backcountry skiing and I showed up to Revelstoke with my very tiny pole of park rats and I got laughed at very hard and people I still not drop the joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am known for my tiny poles. Yeah. That's so cool. So when did you get into like the whole mountaineering and mountain guiding thing? I got out there uh, a few years ago, I think three years ago. Oh. And the leading up to that was, um, I was kind of, um, some family stuff happened and I was on an emotional, like, a, you know, when you go kind of neutral, you cannot feel anything. You're just out there living stuff. And I, I just tried to put myself in the most survival stuff situation. So I went to Alaska and then I did the Arctic guiding opportunity. And since then, I've been an Arctic novice guide. So I'm still learning. Yeah. So what is Arctic guiding? I'm going to move the, I'm gonna move the mic closer to you. You should have seen me with Barkley. It was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yeah. I move when I talk. I get into it. I'm yeah. sure you do. <laughs> yeah, so what is Arctic guiding? Arctic guiding is, um, you go up in Nunavut for us. So Nunavut is the Canadian Arctic. And then we do like two weeks at a time. And we teach people how to ski with pokes behind them to carry all their gear. So we don't use mother motors. So it's all... All you carry is your own, you're, you're pulling it. So let's say you have uh, 145 pounds behind you and you're on your own skis and you're trying to get to the peaks you'd like to reach. And there's, of course, a million things that could happen, like polar bears, crevasses, or open waters, or team cohesion going extremely bad. There's a million things that could happen. Yeah, wow. Let's uh let's pick the most interesting of those. What happens? What's your protocol for polar bears? For polar bears? Yeah. yeah. So the funny thing about polar bears is that when you see one, then it just pokes around. It's just curious. So you look at a him or her. Or they. Yeah. Yeah. You just look at it. Yeah. You look at it. Yeah. That's yeah. what I meant to say. <laughs> and then you see if it's curious. If it's curious, you're good. You just move away. But if it's hungry then you're in big troubles. Yeah. So the first step, if it comes close to you, is to literally let all the anger you have from all your life and throw it on the polar bear. So you want to swear, you want to scream, you want to make sure he knows that you're your big guy. <laughs> so we even train you when you're in the polar, the polar course, we train you to literally swear at the polar bear. We want you to want to nut him out. Yeah. So what happens if he uh, if he doesn't respond well to that? Then you're in big, big trouble. Yeah. So then you go to the next stage and you can do bear flares, which is like um, a fireworks for bears. So you're trying to put it in front of his paws so that he moves away, not over his head because then he'll run towards you. So that's yeah. a mistake people make. And if you're in big, big, big trouble, <laughs> then you might use a firearm. But you're not aiming at the polar bear yet still aiming at the feet and then if things go really bad you can aim at the polar bear but that's a big fine that will end your expedition wow so just try and swear very loud <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go back to step one yeah how much how much is the fine if you kill a polar bear it depends where you are but it can go it's in the thousands like thirty thousand twenty thousands it's a, it will end your trip and put you in Maybe in debt for a while. Yeah. What if you get like a slash? What's a slash? Oh, just like a... Yeah, what if you get hit by the paw and it like opens you up? Do you have fair game to shoot him then or not? <laughs> you still don't. Because you're in wow. his territory. It's yeah. his hometown. And you're just out there. You're camping. <laughs> Vacationers. Tis hood, dude. Tis hood, dude. Question, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, that's fascinating. <laughs> dude, okay. Arctic expedition stuff. Yeah. Would is... you do one? Um... Yeah, if you were my guide, that'd yeah, be great. Yeah, I'd guide you there. Yeah. And definitely if we had a gun. 
Yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah. I can be loud, I swear. <laughs> so what's some so like if we're docking well, I'm sorry, what are the other things that you said that you studied there? So polar bears? Like crevasses and open waters. Yeah. So when you walk in the North Poles, there's this strong currents because it's a big ice chunk and it would open the water for like for a few hours and you cannot prevent it. It's like it just happens. And then you have maybe a you can have up to like a few meters of open water or you can have a kilometer. So then you can't cross it. But if it's a few meters, then you can swim it. So you have your full winter gear and you just put a big dry suit on, just like surfing. Yeah. And then you have your whole park polk behind you and this will float with the air. So now you're in the North Pole crossing it, a lead of water in your gear, in your dry suit, and you try to get across to finally reach degree zero, which is the gold end of the North Pole. But So we teach you how to swim with all your winter gear. Yeah. So the North Pole. So okay, the South Pole is, is on, you know, it's just like the, the point in, in Antarctica. Where is the North Pole? Because I always kind of imagine that just being like a... I was, for some <laughs> reason, I imagine it being like in the water because everyone says it's melting up there. It's melting so much. Yeah, yeah is there like bad. a checkpoint up there like the same way it is in, in Antarctica? Yeah, there's a little pole at degree zero. Oh, wait, no, that's Antarctica. Damn, no, I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you just get there. So you have your GPS and you're trying to just reach degree zero and it will move. So you'll reach it. And if you stand, yeah. then you will be off. So it's, you reach it and then you, yeah. Yeah. So at the end of your, I don't know, 70 days expedition, yeah. then then you're just out there trying to find it. So you run into a circle in the middle. Yeah. For a second, I thought you were saying greasy road, but you're saying degree zero. Degree zero. <laughs> degree zero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm trying. The R's are right. Degree no, no, no. zero. Degree zero. Um, that's very interesting. The greasy road of the North Pole. Um, dude, so what did you learn in terms of like first aid if something goes wrong? Yeah, I did the wilderness first aid. But if something goes very wrong, then you can call rescue. But the thing about the North Pole is that it can take days weeks because if the weather is not right nobody can fly there and it will be extremely expensive because it's a plane flying and then this plane kind of just like lands and then you have to make a, a kilometer of a of a land land place yeah. like if you have to take all of the ice chunks so let's say you get injured near ice field so like ice cap where the plane can't land then they might not find you because they cannot land the plane. So they need like a landing strip. Yeah. Okay, wow. That you have to build. So if you're injured, yeah. then, yeah. So that's why many people pass away doing that expedition. Yeah. Are there certain, uh, well, you need permits and stuff to do this, right? Yeah. You need the permission. Are there certain like medical conditions that would like prohibit you? Like I'm sure you can't do it if you're pregnant, for example. Or like, I've heard that you can't go to Antarctica if you still have your appendix. Is that true? Oh, because like of the risk of appendicitis and no one being able to do surgery immediately. Oh, that's a that's an amazing question. That's something that scares me because, like, immediate stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So then, your first responder is just your friend. Yeah. But, yeah, when you go up in the Arctic, you can go with an appendix. You can go with your appendix. Yeah. Perfect. I, the first time, <laughs> yeah, the first time I thought of that, I was in Nepal doing the trek to Everest Base Camp. And I was having like just I think I was just having a lot of issues with like high altitude and like the the food they were feeding us because we went off season, so we're eating like ox meat that was like over a year old. So I think I was just having like crazy stomach issues and crazy body issues because of the high altitude. And I was like, dude, we are like fifteen, sixteen, seventeen thousand feet up, yeah. days hikes away from the nearest airport. Like if there was an issue. And there's cloud cover. You can't fly a helicopter up there. No. You're just like you're just on your own. That is the scary part. Yeah, but I don't know. It brings you back to to I don't know a certain place of survival, and it's like every it makes you have team cohesion extremely because you're depending on everyone. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second. In a second, but dude, this is just like what we were talking about the other day with Donner Pass and Lewis and Clark. Oh. I feel like every. Not, I feel like no. Every every person is just like moments away, a series of bad situations from being the same as every other human in history. Like your technology fails, and then all of a sudden, it's like it's always been. It's just human versus nature, and you could be screwed. 
and you just die really horrible, yeah. you know, just like freeze to death or starve to death or get eaten by a polar bear. Like, yeah, that's not something that changes with time. That's always a threat that's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, there's all sorts of stories. And if you go back in time, just a hundred years, they have the wildest stories. Like when they were trying to catch polar bears to bring back to New York Zoo. And they they build a whole net for it. And the people who were trying to catch it got stuck in the net. Yeah. So they were being now the animal that were trapped in the cage. Wow. Yeah. And unfortunately, everybody passed away. But this is the wildest stories you can find in the Arctic, trying to catch polar bears and bring it back to town. Yeah. Barkley, I don't think you got to this part in the book yet, but on the Lewis and Clark journey, Lewis captured a prairie dog alive and then sent it back to Thomas Jefferson like on a horse with a note note that was like, yo, check out this mammal that exists out west. How crazy is that? Um, That's so crazy. So... So talk about team cohesion, because you mentioned before that that's like an interesting subject within the Arctic exploration. Yes. Yeah. So one of my two, I think the, the team cohesion stories that marked me the most was I was on a, I was very young. I was 21 at the time. First time in the Arctic. And I'm out there learning like everyone. And I was very nervous. So like, at night I would take pills that puts you to sleep because I was too scared of polar bears. <laughs> I was just like, I'll knock myself out. What, were you, die. what were you sleeping in? Yeah, I was sleeping in a tent that has like a, a chimney inside. So we would make fires inside the tent at night. So it would be quite warm. And um, the thing is that you get cold during the day, but you you can't sweat. Because if you sweat, you your, your clothes won't, won't, uh, won't dry. Yeah. So it will just turn into ice immediately and you'll be extremely uncomfortable. So one of my teammates wasn't good at that so she would always sweat and then she would be full of ice chunk all over her body so she'd get extremely irritated so every time we'd be in the tent at night she'd be very very mean to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and uh, i was young so i didn't know how much to deal with it so i would just let her be mad and not really answer just be there and one day i was very tired and i just fell asleep before dinner time and she didn't wake me up, so we didn't plan the next day. And yeah, that's when things went bad. Because if you don't have your next day planned, then what What do you do? Yeah. I told her, what? Suzanne, why'd you wake me up? She was like, Suzanne. 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 Wow. Yeah, she, she said I tried, but I knew, I knew she didn't try. She just wanted me to suffer a little. Wow. Because I was guiding the next day. Yo, we're calling her out, dude. Shout out. Shout out no, to Suzanne. No, a reverse of a shout out, dude. <laughs> Suzanne sucks. Reverse shout out, Suzanne. Call out. Suzanne. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I apologize, Suzanne, to put you on the spot. So what do you mean that Su- Suzanne messed you up? Like, you have to... So you were guiding the next day. Yeah. So it's basically like you showed up in charge, but unprepared. Well, we were both in charge. So we were both new people, like, in the Arctic. So somebody showed us how to do it, and then we're left alone in the middle of nowhere and we just have to find our way back to town and if when you yeah I just wanted to get back to town in time because I had a flight to catch and then Suzanne didn't wake me up so then I had no plan on how to get back to town so that was very stupid and in that time we had a time frame because we had on our satellite phone that COVID was starting to hit and we didn't know what COVID was and to get a flight out of Nunavut it's it's very hard to with, with COVID to get out of there. So it was like either we are staying in Nunavut for an indefinite period of time, or we're getting out of there. So, so yeah. So what'd you do? Know. So wait, I just walked. I walked back to town. I found my way. <laughs> but we had a backup plan if ever something went wrong. But you don't want to use the backup plan. Yeah. What is the backup plan? Call somebody uh, that lives in town and come grab us in a snowmobile and then okay. put all the polks and all the gear in there, but it's not it's not ideal. Yeah. Um, at the risk of sounding offensive, because I don't know the proper term, uh, are you dealing? Are there like Eskimos and all those sorts of people still living up there? Like the natives of Nunavut in the Arctic, are they still living up there? Yeah, there's a population of seven thousand people, and. That's the biggest town, and then you go into smaller towns where you can only do skidoo and uh, snow, sn- yeah. snowmobile. Do you know the proper term for them? I think it's Inuit. I think right, it's Inuit. It's Inuit. Inuit. Yeah. 
can't say Eskimos anymore. Am I going to have to bleep that out? Am I going to have to bleep that out? Am I getting canceled for saying Eskimo? Um, uh, So the Inuit people. Yeah, Inuit people. Are they the only people that live up there? Or are there like oil workers and other people living up there too? A lot of people from Quebec getting works there because it's uh, it's highly paid. There's a lot of uh, tax removal and add-on and stuff. Wow. It's good. So that's like your base camp, like the village, not the village, like the like the town, is your base camp, and then you go out and do something for the day or like a few days, and then you come back to town. Yeah, do that for four days, and when we're out for the rest of the trip. Yeah. Yeah, just to make sure everybody knows how to not get cold, yeah. like not sweat, and just know how to deal with polar bear safety. Yeah. Wow, dude. I'm thinking of all these like little stereotypes I've heard about the Arctic. Is it true <laughs> that you have to leave uh, your your doors and stuff unlocked in case of the risk of polar bears? That's what I've read. Yeah, that's more Norway. Norway, okay. Yeah, it's the same, like it's the same degree. Yeah. But Durham is more, uh, it's more hardcore, let's say. Yeah. But people do, it's very open. So just leave your car doors unlocked, your house doors unlocked, just in case somebody needs to run inside? I think some people still do it. But in town, it's uh, people can chase and hunt polar bears. In town? Yeah. Okay. So before the polar bears get to town, it will be hunted. Yeah. Wow, dude. Mm-hmm. It is so gnarly up there. I'd love to go up there. Yeah, people hang their polar bear in front of their house to let it dry. It's huge. Yeah, like the skin? Like yeah, the, the yeah. whole skin. Do people eat polar bear meat? Maybe I feel I feel like I should be asking Barkley this too, dude. <laughs> Barkley, you ever eat polar bear meat, dude? I have not eaten polar bear meat. Me but neither. Someone's gonna eat it if it gets killed. Yeah. You know, they're not gonna let it go to waste. Yeah. Yeah. What are Full the uh, you ever yeah, eat anyway. any strange food while you're up there? Uh, whales and seals. So. Oh, the seals is horrible, dude. Oh. Yeah, cute little baby seal. Oh yeah, we eat baby seal. That's a thing. Yeah. It's like and the way it's you just put the baby seal in the freezer. And then you put it on the table afterwards, and you just cut it open, and it's like this tiny little thing. And then you, they, yeah, they put it on your plate, and then it's like full of blood. But I don't know. It's good for you. It's good for you. Whoever's listening to this episode needs to look at the photo I'm gonna post of Annabelle because she does not look like the person <laughs> that is cutting open a ba- a whole baby seal and digging in with blood and all of that, dude. What? <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Did it taste good? It's not my favorite, but yeah. it's good for you. So good you, for you. you eat it for your soul. Wow, dude. Yeah. The full life of the animal. We should get some of that in camp, dude. <laughs> I'll bring we some. I'll bring some. We got, <laughs> we got steaks. We got sockeye salmon. Yeah, dude, we had a little bit of everything in here. Do you ever had whale skins? No. In in Iceland, I had a whale steak. Oh. That was cool. It was like, it was, uh, I'm trying to remember it. I remember it being very chewy. It was huge. It was like the size of the plate, but that was probably just the cut. I remember puffin was really good, and that was like a red wine colored meat. Puffin. Puffin. What's puffin? Oh, I get I to teach the guests something. Yeah. You definitely know it, but I just I think the word is for sure different. It's fish, right? No, no, puffin is like a dumb little bird. A dumb little oh, bird. Oh, <laughs> Stand by. Oh. Got it. You ate that? That's even worse than baby seal. That is the cutest thing. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> is there like a puffin wings? Like, do you do you eat the puffin wings? Like, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. Fri- wings. Yeah, it wasn't fried up <laughs> like. It wasn't fried up like a chicken wing or anything. It was just. It was um. It was almost in like slices, like the same shape of an orange, but like longer in meat. You know, so it was like a nice slice. Barkley's back in the RV. Barkley, you ever eat puffin? Every day for breakfast. Dude, see, this kid just lies all the time. Just kidding. <laughs> now he's a jokester. Just kidding. I'm a jokester. <laughs> yes. You got your clizzy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Iceland... No one eats puffin, dude. Okay, that's, that's not just not true. Kid. That's not true. I've eaten... I've eaten Stop telling yourself. I also had a horse steak up there. Horse day. Yeah, like a horse, you know, like horse things that you ride on. Yeah. yeah. This podcast is definitely getting canceled. Yeah. Def- yeah, this one I'm for sure canceled after this one. Um, It'll hit me up for shoes, though. <laughs> Cut that part out. Cut that part out. Um, but, okay, so even though I ate the whale and the puffin mm-hmm. and the horse and the... The fermented shark meat. Oh, the shark meat. Yeah, they do that up in Iceland. And uh, I've been to Asia 
and uh, I was there in the village when they when oh it was horrible dude this is this is a sad part they we were chilling in the village one day and uh we were in Laos on this like river village and we hear this just yelping this really high pitched yelping and we look down the street a little bit and there's a burlap sack and in that burlap sack is a dog-shaped object thrashing around, making dog noises. What? Yeah, and uh, and they killed the dog in the village and ate it because there was no chickens around and there was no other meat around, so they just killed the dog, fried it up. It was very upsetting for some members of our group. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was gnarly, but I never ate the dog. You did not? I don't think so. We were eating a lot of rice and vegetables, like mostly rice and vegetables. Mm-hmm. But that's all coming back to I still think a baby seal is uh is like a sadder yeah, that object was to hard. eat. Dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, also guinea dog. pig and guinea pig in Peru, dude. You would think guinea that, pig in Peru. Yeah. This guy knows how to eat everybody. Even <laughs> Schaefer. Yeah. We were in Peru and like they were uh I think it's I think it's called Kui. I think that's what the dish is called. And so we were at this uh we were at the in this pretty rural area and they're like, Oh, do you want to try some? And they're like, Oh, we have some here. And I'm thinking it's gonna be like pigs you know how like a deme- like not a domesticated but like a like a farm pig looks different from a wild hog i was thinking the same thing it's gonna be like oh these guinea pigs are gonna look super gnarly and like vicious no no <laughs> no, no dude no. the guinea pigs they eat are straight up petco guinea pigs that are fried mostly like and, the- and just cooked up it's crazy what does it look like do you see like the is it just like a, a patty It was no. It was like oh, I, I really. <laughs> this was really, oh, on a stick. A patty on a stick. No, I think they. I don't know how they kill it. I think they just take it and like uh, this is graphic. But I think they take it and just literally like break its neck, like just by shaking it in a weird way, and then they just like cook it over a fire, and then they hand you a crispy guinea pig shaped meal with no fur on it. Oh, that's odd. That's so. <laughs> yeah, dude. Whatever. We're laying it all on the table. Damn, I can maybe eat that though. That's, yeah. That's for, That's. I mean. Yeah. If it's a meal, then and it's normal there, then it, it's, it's it's yeah, good. yeah, dude. I would totally eat a baby seal. I think mean, that's what it's coming down to. Like <laughs> that's what that, that's what it's coming down to. Mm. Um, all right, let's turn the page. <laughs> that little tangent that we just went on. Um, we're talking about Arctic exploration. You got any th- other thoughts on that? Like, what about the team? Like, do you have any other anecdotes from like Team Cohesion? Like stuff that they tell you about. Like different personalities, different ways to kind of make things work. Like, you want to talk about that some more? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to make sure that everybody can get along before you go on the trip, because it can it can go really south. Stuff happens, blizzards happen, you're stuck days, and then when a big blizzard happens, you won't you won't walk like the distance you were supposed to. You'll just hang in the tent the whole day in your sleeping bag because your fuel is counted, so you can't do a fire inside for the whole day. So if you don't get along with the other person, then you're just sitting there for literally 24 hours being just talking about nothing. Yeah. So you got to be able to make fart jokes and just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for real, that's yeah. what's going on. And you eat so much yeah. crappy things the whole time Yeah. that, yeah, I don't know, it's, it's funny, it's good. So in, an, uh, so in an expedition, what's like the... What's like the setup? Is it like the guides and tourists? Is that usually what they're doing expeditions for? Is it like scientists? Like how, who's going on these expeditions? We got all sorts of people. Last trip was a girl that wanted to do, um, how would you call that in English? Like free flying? Like when you go on top of a, of a peak and you just, yeah. oh, the wing, the, 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 the peak. Paragod. No, no, no. You're, you're the, you're the thing. Oh, wingsuit. Wing yeah, wingsuit. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So there's like this enormous peak in the Arctic and then, You can just hike it up for a while, and then she wants to jump off it. But people have died doing that, and it's extremely gnarly, and you land on ice caps. It's like, it's a whole thing. And um, we teach her how to get there. So now she gets to do her own thing. But we got along very well, and now we want to make a project where we both go up there, she jumps, and then we go back to town and hit uh street spots in the city hell yeah dude that would be sick yeah that w- it's like a whole complex thing and then we can go hit some back country so i don't know i hope this would happen so is there like an elected leader of the group is there like one guide who who like you know in an emergency situation there's one person who makes a decision about what everybody else is going to do is there like that type of person in the group when we work there's always that person 
But the way we set it up is the the guides just stand behind so that people learn. So they're on their own, but we're there. Mm -hmm. And once we think they're fine, then we just leave. And then we let them set up their own hierarchy. Wow. And then they can do either just all do um, team decision where nobody decides it's just majority or have a leader of the group. Yeah. So it's always interesting to see what people decide in the end. Yeah. Look at this. We got a whole crew of fucking misfits in here. Dude. What are you what are you little children doing, dude? How's the daycare going over there? Does <laughs> it smells good, by Yep. Yeah, dude. Wait, well, can... I was trying Misty Fives today off the <laughs> No, enough. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got yeah, thank you, thank right, you. We'll get to we'll get to the scheme in a second. We'll get to the scheme. Yeah, I got girls that are doing that. No, nobody, bro. Oh, big tap in the back here. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to pick up where we left off. I'm thinking. Yeah. You have a question? Yeah. We're going to take a quick viewer question from Ryan, the uh, the studio host right now. <laughs> Let us use his RV. Thank you very much. When you go out on these expeditions and stuff, I always hear stories about whatever you pack in, you have to pack out, and that includes bodily fluids <laughs> and poo. It does. <laughs> well... The nice thing about where we're going to the Arctic is we're on the Arctic Ocean. So you can dig a hole like your normal camping spot. But there wasn't one time in Alaska where we couldn't do that. And then we had a bucket and we were 11 of us. <laughs> and we all do. <laughs> you can do number. You can go pee anywhere. Yeah. But you have to poo in the bucket. Wow. So we built a nice stall. It was like digging to the ground. It was beautiful. Yeah. The best <laughs> toilet you can have. I, I recommend. However, you do need to bring the bucket down. And, yeah. <laughs> do you guys, like, so do you guys just let it pile up? Or is it, like, do you guys, like, pour some, like, you know, pour a little sawdust on top? Like, or is I mean, it just literally a, pi a big old pile of poo? You can be fancy, but our standards are pretty low. So we just put the lid on. <laughs> dude, oh, my God. This, it's so funny. I'm thinking about, yeah. thinking about all these trips, like, like around the world, dude. When you're in, like, a uh, third world country or survival situation, you're talking about poop. Like somewhat regularly. Oh like, yeah. It's hey, a how tough are your poops topic. today? Because diarrhea is like a bad thing when you're in one of those situations. Oh yeah, diarrhea in a bucket. Yeah. Not fun. But not also fun. one person was like constipated for a long time and that was not fun either. Yeah. She would hike up peak and just like feel the poo stacking up in her stomach. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's so funny, but yeah. dude, it's such a normal everyday conversation when you're in these situations. Yeah. Oh yeah, it is. It's like, oh, did you put with it? Yes. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Now we can go on. Yeah. yeah. It's so funny, dude. <laughs> yeah, and that this expedition was like, you would hike the glacier, but it was quite melted because it was in in May. Yeah. So we had a part skiing down, and then you had the bucket of poo in your sled. So that's fine. But then the park where <laughs> it was a few kilometers where you had to like literally hold the poo bucket in your hand and this smell coming out of it yeah. disgusting and that makes you wonder why you're out there doing that yeah yeah wow man anybody else got a viewer question that was a great prompt here let's give it old, let's give it over to dom earlier you said 70 days on an expedition is that standard is you go longer than that shorter than that 70 all the time Depends on your goal. So people tend to want to break a record. So the last person we trained, um, she wants to be the first unsupported woman to cross North Pole. And she has to count her days because that means the number of food you have in your sled. But also her sled will be like 400 pounds. So it's enormous. And she's, she's awesome. She's got like rainbow hair. She's five foot two. Does not weigh more than 110. And she's wow. carrying like four times her weight. So I think she will want to go very fast on that and hopefully make it. I think, rainbow yeah, she's got hair. it. Yeah, rainbow hair. She's awesome. Shout out to Alisa. That's Barkley's type of girl. <laughs> Damn. Would you cross? Yeah, Barkley's got a question here. Dom, Dom hold, hold, hold this in front of Barkley's mouth. All right, so this is a ski-related question. And I'd like to know, who is your favorite skier from Quebec? From Quebec? Yeah, let's take a new direction. Why not? Yeah, let's do it. So my favorite girl skier is Olivia Asselin because she's got this, just this style and the awesome tricks too. So I think she's she's breaking some walls that are incredible. And there is Megan Oldman too that has done the first triple too. That is awesome. Very awesome. That was awesome. She's 
She really is. Favorite guys. Favorite guy skiers now. Mm-hmm. Um, of all time. Of all time. Um. So the thing is that I'm extremely uncultured about skiing. <laughs> so my favorite skier is like a. I don't even know. Wait, give me a second. Mm. Oh <laughs> you put me on the spot. <laughs> Tom Wallace. All of my close friends are the best skiers in my eyes. Who's the? Uh, <laughs> I, I, we'll let you off the hook for who's your favorite male skier. Who's the best? Who's like your favorite girl skier at uh, Spring Pass right now? Oh, girl skiers in Spring Pass. Oh, I love that. Okay. Um, I love. Ruby Doobie motivation because she is thriving and doing amazing progress. And I do believe also Odo's not there anymore, but she's incredible and she's done amazing things. And I would love to follow her path. What about uh, who do you think would win a game of slush, you or Liv? Ooh. Oh, because we we all really want to see that. <laughs> uh, wait, actually, we yeah. should do that. Yeah, we should make that happen. Uh, she's gonna tomorrow, smoke me yeah. on the screaming semen. Yeah. That's for sure. She's gonna smoke you on the what? On the screaming semen. Oh, wow. I do not have any interest in doing those. If she calls it, I'll do it though. But, yeah, and I think I think yeah, I think I'll lend the first Yeah, but. Yeah, I don't know. Leave it. Let's make it happen and see what happens. Cool. Yeah. 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 That'd be sick. <laughs> we got to figure out what we're doing tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> we got to do the game tomorrow. I think we There's should. some talks of illumination, but I'd rather just... I'd rather just... Oh, we could totally run it. But it's also the last day tomorrow. So it's the last day tomorrow. Yeah, big drinking day. We have a big agenda of like... You could do a quick game of ski. That's yeah, a quick game of ski That's would be true. better than a whole full game of slush. Yeah. 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 Okay. Really yeah, I I feel spunky, so I think yeah. I think I can go for it. Hell yeah, dude. I think you and Liv would be a yeah, sick match. Yeah, that yeah. would be cool. She's sick yeah. too. She's fired. Let's Sweet. do it. Um. <laughs> so you really don't have a favorite male skier? You can't name one. Well, of course I've got. A, mm, yeah, I mean, I really like Tucker Fit. Oh, Fitzsimons. Fitzsimons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, interesting. Shout out Tucker. Yeah, because I've never seen someone land every 1p1. Okay, yeah, yeah. Like, like he does on every whale. Yeah. That's quite amazing. Wow, that's pretty cool. And it's like simple trick, but also very hard. Yeah. yeah. Do you, are you going to make, so you said you're going to make a, that urban project with that girl where there's, oh my God, that's an ambitious project with the wingsuiting and then yeah. you're skiing urban in the Arctic? Do you have any other plans? Well, I'll make that one happen for myself. So if she doesn't want to jump or if the conditions aren't right, I'll still make the urban edit. Because I think it would be awesome to showcase what the Arctic looks like and how you can rail stuff that just are laying there from ships and stuff. I think it would look amazing. Um, But other projects, I'm in the transition space right now. I want to see what's next and figuring it out all out because i've been kind of not inspired about skiing for a few years and this year so i'm i'm back at it so i want to see where i could go with that wow barkley has a question he's raising his hand like a very polite boy thank you barkley speaking of making videos thoughts on super unknown next year (gasps) so i definitely want to make an edit so Last year, I couldn't subscribe because I get six months in the States every year and I pass my time. So I, I couldn't even try to be in it. And I did feel like I had tricks, but not enough variety. Vari- variety. Variety. Variety, dog. Yeah, I need I needed to work on that. So I'm very excited to go next year if it happens. But I'm, I just want to like subscribe, like send something yeah. and just show what I can do. Because I think like I just get inspired by whoever rides with me a day and I'll just copy them. Yeah. So I've expanded my variety of streaks this year a lot. Yeah. Well, you're running with really good people this week for that. I mean, oh my God. Yeah. Misty, Misty Five off the knuckle today. That was pretty sick. <laughs> yeah, that was fully inspired. I would have not wake up this morning and thought I was going to do that. Yeah. That was, yeah, four big bells. Wow. Awesome. I'll do it again tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Front yeah. two blonde off the swoop derail. Inspired by Ryan. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, you guys have any other questions about women skiing? 
Annabelle is easily my favorite female skier. Like, easily. <laughs> Barkley's got another question. Let's turn to the Barkley Show. <laughs> favorite skier of all time. Oh, knock on the door. <laughs> Chris. Chris Bechtold knocking <laughs> on the window during that question. Hi, Chris. Favorite skier of all time. And favorite trick. And oh. favorite trick. Oh, favorite trick. Oh. Wow. That's... <laughs> <laughs> You're always with me on this, but <laughs> favorite trick. I think something I would like to to make it happen is a huge, okay, huge, huge switch tail two, but over anything. Like be that a pocket trick, and that will take some time. But I'm excited to make it work at some point. That'd be so sick. Yeah, and it's it's like I don't know. It's not even the steesiest, but I could make it like. Take its time and do, do things, yeah. make it smooth. I'm going to put you on the spot again. What's your favorite edit or video or movie of all time? <laughs> I told you I was on culture, but skiing. <laughs> the thing is that I went... So when I I did skiing, um, unfortunately, my, my brother passed away. And that sucks extremely. Yeah. And my emotion went numb. So I was just skiing to be there. I wasn't even skiing to make it happen i was just there because i didn't know what to do and what mattered anymore and then a year ago i started skiing back so i wasn't looking at ski footage i was just there just doing it to do it oh yeah i would not feel any emotion for a few years i was just traumatized yeah yeah traumatized i would do that's why i started doing expeditions because i was like i need to feel something and that's the only thing that would make me be scared Wow. Otherwise, I would just, like, I, I left for Ireland, I worked there for a while, and I barely remember anything. I was just there. Wow. That's so incredible. Mm-hmm. Do you mind if I ask, was it like an accident or something? Like, was it something out of the blue? No, he had cancer. Oh, so that's it, so terrible. He passed away in nine months or so, <sighs> and I was 20 at the time, so I didn't realize what was happening. I didn't know what that was. So yeah. I just, it took me so many years to understand. So, yeah, skiing helped a, a lot. But that's why I'm, I'm on culture. I was like, I did not look at anything. I was just yeah, not present. Well, first of all, I'm sorry to hear that. That's terrible. But that's incredible that you, like, leaned on skiing to get you through that. Yeah, it helped. The ski community was very nice. And it's, it's a sport, so it's bringing everybody close together. Yeah, I mean, we had such a sweet moment yesterday. It was your 25th birthday. <laughs> we- that yeah. was a very good time. Yeah, and then I asked you what you were doing for your other birthdays, and you're like, oh, well, the year before that, I was at Mount Hood, and the year before that, I was in the Arctic, and yeah. the year before that, like, yeah, it's really cool. The last Mount Hood I was was so interesting, because I was starting to get out of it, out of feeling neutral, Yeah. and I had one of the best summers, and that's why I'm still here this summer, because I was like, oh, I think it can be very nice now that I'm on my feet and back to it. Yeah. Dude, super gnarly. That's yeah, incredible. It just goes to show how much of your mental game can affect your skiing, I think, too, in a way. Yes. Like, having goals and just caring about stuff, caring about the people around you. And, and being happy, though, like, too. Yeah. Yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Last year in Hood, I was doing therapy mm-hmm. when I was there. I would go to therapy before coming on the hill. Like, virtual, or would you find someone that was here? Uh, virtual yeah. with somebody that followed me and that person followed my brother when he was going through it wow yeah it's very special wow that's incredible yeah oh my so God. it was a different hood because i was just trying to heal yeah 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 and the fun thing about that is that the first day i came into hood i took the chair with that one guy and then we had a date the next day and he was kind of a warm sweater the whole time because he he was also living in his van and never left my house because <laughs> I had a shower. <laughs> yeah. But it was it was good to have somebody during that time and yeah I healed up during the last hood so I feel like hood does mean something like that spring pass. Yeah, I don't know if hanging out on road thirty nine would be very healing. <laughs> yeah. It depends. Last year was rainy too. Yeah, yeah last was year was rainy. Oh, she was mm-hmm. talking about. Falling in the fire. Yeah. Sorry yeah, to put you on the spot, but... Yeah. Falling in the fire. Somebody tied him <laughs> on a chair with his suspenders. Dude, that was hilarious. Uh, I don't even know he thinks... Like, I don't I don't think he had ever acknowledged my presence around the fire, but it made me a good giggle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Annabelle's <laughs> number one fan. Yeah, I love number you, man. One. Yo! <laughs> um, 
So what's next? What do you want to do next now that you feel like you're a little bit more back on your feet? I really want to... So my goal job is to work for Monster for who gets on the team for skateboarding, snowboarding, and skiing. And I have an interview in a few days. So I'm extremely Whoa. excited. And... Uh, it's the funny part of how I get this interview is many years I tried to get an interview and nobody would answer. So I went into the most low low job at Monster that you can get. And when I got the interview for that, I said, I actually want your job. And wow. then the guy said that he really liked my motivation and put me in an interview for the, the role I wanted. Wow. Dude. Annabelle's the biggest <laughs> badass in this entire camp, dude. What the hell? <laughs> That's awesome. You guys got anything else? Oh, I found my favorite movie, and it's a snowboard movie. Okay, what is that? It's an orgasm, a love story. Thorstein Armo. That's uh, favorite. Yes. favorite of all time. Orgasm, a love story was one of my first like first snowboard videos mm -hmm. I've ever seen. Thorstein Horgmo. Cool. He's he's super gnarly. You ever seen that video, Tuan? No, uncultured. <laughs> <laughs> Big Bark's got another question. Let's hear from Barkley. What's your biggest goal in skiing? Ooh. I think my biggest goal would be to make videos. Nothing about competition for me. I'm also 25 now, so there's no very any opportunity for that. But sorry, Barkley's dying in the corner. Right yeah, he's, he's, he's coughing up a storm. Um, but yeah, to make epic videos um, that that branch out with the wilderness of expedition and the skiing, I think that would be something that I want to do because I got a knowledge now, and having knowledge in the Arctic is quite hard to get, so I think I can bring up the hip-hop scene of the skiing yeah. to the very core and technical uh, scene of uh, wilderness expedition. Wow, that'd be so sick. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, make something happen. You'll see me in the future, I'll be there. Absolutely. Somebody's gotta make a good video of, like, of one of those adventure ones I went to. Like TGR videos or anything in the Arctic, it's just like they could be better. <laughs> I'll just say that they could be better. There's there's some work there, so I'm looking forward to seeing that. We got anything else, Dom, Brian, Annabelle? You're awesome. Thank you. We just love you. I think that's it. We're we're past 50 minutes, so thank you so much for doing this. I hope it was fun. You were looking forward to it. It was very fun, and the yeah. setting is amazing too. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Everybody in the van. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you. That was great. Thank you. Thank you.